0: This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Scarard. In this podcast, I feature guests with passionate stories of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. Today, my guest is Simon Ben. Simon was adopted at five weeks old and told so young that he doesn't even remember not being adopted. He didn't come out of the fog until he was 40 when he found out his teddy bear was a gift from his mother. That unleashed an eruption of anger, feelings of rejection, and being unloved that also led to a quest to heal, healing and a desire to help others. One of the ways Simon does this helping others is through his podcast Thriving Adoptees. Welcome Simon.
1: Thank you Janice. Looking forward to our conversation today. Really looking forward to it.
0: I as well. Simon, tell us your story.
1: Well, as I said before we hit the record button, um I had no kind of I had no conscious adoption trauma. Uh, before the age of 40, when I found out about this teddy bear thing, right? So it's a really interesting thing um, as we look at the kind of adoptee trauma. For me, it's kind of, it's in layers. It's like a cake. So as somebody that was uh, adopted by white folks, as a white guy adopted by white folks, I have that, I don't have that layer of um, uh, transracial adoptee trauma where, we don't have this, you know, we don't look like our parents. So we might not, we might feel different from them. uh, And we also look different from them. And that creates an extra layer. on. But if we look at the base layer of the adoptee trauma cake, we've got this relinquishment bit. um, And uh, if that is called a primal wound, mine was like a paper cut compared to some of the people, their trauma has been far deeper, far more, Painful and far more pervasive, and and it happened far earlier in my life. So I, I figure that I'm pretty lucky compared to to most. So growing up, we had the usual ups and downs that happen in any family. I've got a little sister; she's a couple of years uh, younger than me. And one of the things that I kind of hold on to from that period of my life when I think about adoption is the fact that she, you know, she asked me once. Uh, when she maybe was maybe 10 I was maybe 12 something around that age she said uh, have you ever thought about finding your real parents and I said no mum and dad are our real parents so I was really well attached with my adoptive parents we didn't talk a lot about uh, adoption growing up but that it wasn't shunned it was just something that everybody accepted as as normal and therefore not Uh, not a really topic of conversation it Mm -hmm. wasn't discussed a lot
0: so I want to ask you if I could interject here did you ever have a feeling of since you were told that you were adopted so young did you ever have a feeling of being an outsider of the family
1: uh no not no not um I don't think so
0: I don't think so, and the, because you mentioned that you felt like you were very well attached to uh, yeah, your that's the family,
1: that's the job, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's that's how I look back on it now. That's mm-hmm. why I talk about that memory of of my my sister because I don't have a lot of thoughts about it. I don't have a lot of feel, feelings about it. Um, uh, I had the usual, I had the usual kind of stuff. You know, a lot of a lot of people get bullied at school, which is one of their first traumas and apparently i I heard something this this week that adoptees are are more likely to get bullied right um Mm. which i thought was uh, fascinating research that i'd never seen before um so i had some stuff around that yeah usual teen teen issues girls and you know what wanting the girls that the glamorous ones, you know, above my weight, you know, like um, being more interested in the ones that didn't want me and not interested in, you know, usual sorts of stuff. But Those typical
0: uh, teenage teenage, stories of of development. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned that because you were adopted as a Caucasian into a Caucasian family, you didn't have to deal with that, not looking differently by racial looks. Did you ever have a question, though, about looking, though, like your parents? Did you ever question?
1: Um, no. One memory I do have is being probably about 15, we were on holiday and I was playing pool in a cafe with other kids and some the some of the dads were there as well. And I was playing a, a young lad, probably the same age as me. My dad was there. His dad was there. And he spoke. It, it, so the, the other guy's dad said to my dad, that's your son there, you know, pointing pointing at me and my dad looked at me and gave a kind of a wry smile and I gave him a wry smile back and it was just like, we didn't speak anything more about that but we knew what we were talking about. I don't look, my dad died about six years ago. We're similar, similar in height, I think. We didn't really look like each other but not massively dissimilar, you know, I, he didn't have ginger hair and I had blonde hair. It, it was kind of, my hair's mm. dark brown. His bronze, light brown, silver, gray when he was old. Did I feel different? I didn't feel... It's interesting what we attribute stuff to. You know, this um there's this thing called attribution error. A- attribution error in, in psychology. And there's another thing called confirmation bias. So attribution error, error is blaming the wrong thing. Attaching... Causation, saying something that causes, saying X causes Y when Y causes Y. And confirmation bias is something like, it's a way of saying what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. So the more likely we are to attribute something to to, to the wrong thing, or we'll see the things that are in accordance with our worldview. I see... It's a minefield saying, okay, that's an adoption issue. That's a human issue. I think it's a fascinating minefield that we, mm-hmm. we can lose ourselves in. You know, it, it can become a...
0: It I be- think I understand what you, you mean, Simon. And I'm wondering when you say... Do we identify this as being a human issue or do we identify it as being an adoption issue? There comes a time, I think, where a person can choose either one of those to fit whatever narrative that they want to be Mm. their narrative.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. And that's what happens, but I don't believe it's a conscious choice. I don't believe it's a conscious choice. So going back like 14 years ago uh, after I had, Had this uh, coming out of the fog stuff, and after some business success that I thought was going to make me happy, didn't make me happy. I went on a like a five day retreat to find where happiness came from, basically. Um, Which you know, having looked at your podcast, uh, happiness is one of the themes that you talk about. You know, in the in the overview to, um, to to your podcast. But so there was eight of us on this retreat, two people facilitating it, six people doing it and uh, none of whom were adopted apart from me. And and yet none of them felt good enough. They'd all been, all, all struggled with their inner critic, you know, the voice in, in, in our heads that tells us that we're not good enough. Most of us aren't choosing our feelings or our thoughts and, and often our actions most of the time. It's, it's not a conscious choice. It's a choice that comes from, what psychologists would call um, our conditioning. So the, the values and beliefs that we've grown up in. And uh, if we were looking at this from a, an adoptee lens, we would say that you know we're we're coming from trauma. We're coming from a, a, a major part of our, our conditioning as as adoptees is, is that trauma. And, and some of that stuff we are conscious of. And some of it, we are, we are not. We're, we're not conscious. We're not conscious of until c- coming out of the fog, to me, means to continue the metaphor, coming out of the fog, what do we see when we come out of the fog? Well, using a, a, a weather metaphor, we see the dark clouds of our trauma. That's what we see. And those, those clouds are heavy with, with rain. And maybe there's storm clouds and there's lightning, maybe there's thunder, you know, but we are aware of those for the first time. So the the subconscious becomes conscious. And 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 up until that point, we have been unconscious of our trauma. And that moment comes at different times for different people. Mm-hmm. I, and a doctor I interviewed the other week said that. She had, and and she was Caucasian, adopted by a Caucasian family. She said that she was born out of the uh, out of the fog. She cried for the first, pretty much, the first two years of her life. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so she felt that she never lived in the adoption fog. Is correct what she was yeah.
1: saying. That's
0: okay. what she was saying. So, uh, tell us the part about when you found out that teddy bear had been a gift.
1: Yeah. So on the evening of my 40th birthday my mum and dad came round to take my wife and i out to a, a local pub for dinner and, it, and my mum brought a box with a, a, some items that i hadn't cleared out of my bedroom because i'd left the you know the, the family home when i was 22 so so eight, 18 years on there were still some bits and pieces that she hadn't she hadn't give me. I, I'd take, and included in that was this teddy bear. And that evening, my my dad told my wife that the teddy bear was from, from my birthman. And my wife told me. And uh, and my first reaction to that was one of, let's say, gentle curiosity. Oh, I wonder why they didn't tell me that it was from my birthman. But a couple of weeks later, I was talking to a coachy type person a communication skills coach lady had been on a course with her and and i was telling her about the teddy bear and and suddenly these words came out of my mouth that I, from 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 nowhere she didn't love me enough to keep me um as in my birth mother didn't love me enough to keep me what's the teddy bear the teddy bear's an an effing consolation prize and and, and the, the lady that i was talking to she said well i'm a I'm a mum, Simon, and I, I don't think it would have been quite like that. So with those words, I, I saw the truth. I, I saw the truth in her words and and this sudden volcano of um, anger towards my birth mother that exploded. It, it, it stopped. It, it, it stopped. Um, what's the word? It stopped erupting, but there was still a little bit of white smoke coming out of there. At the top of the volcano, and so I thought, well, maybe adoption has messed me up, and in any way, uh, over the next few few months, or so, I thought, well, maybe adoption has messed me up, and I just don't know about it. Uh, business success hasn't made me happy about it. My antennae were up. I thought, well, what's what's going to make me, what's going to make me happy, right? And and I heard this guy speak uh, at an event, and he was talking about. How his business success had made him happy and and what he'd learned after that and, and and that was the that was the guy that I went on the retreat with, which was about understanding you know this look, looking at, at looking at conscious and unconscious choice, looking at the voice in our heads, uh, sharing our story, realizing that we uh, we all have this kind of all eight of us on that course at any rate had at some level this idea that we weren't good enough. Or we hadn't achieved enough, or we hadn't been, you know, been good enough at business. We hadn't been a good enough father. We had not be good enough mother. We'd let people down, and and that's the sort of thing that we looked at.
0: Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable in sharing that portion of your life.
1: You're you're welcome. That's what we're, we're we're here for. We're here for to to share stories and 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 share insights. And for me, that's a huge one. This idea that, well, we adoptees. We don't have uh, we don't have a monopoly on on low self esteem. We don't have a monopoly on 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 identity issues. And I've been trying to figure out why that's important to me recently. Because when I say it, it doesn't it, people go yeah yeah mm, mm, yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to land. Uh, it doesn't seem it to me. It was quite a significant thing. I think that's because this is something that this is something that i get in my bones rather than than in my head do you know what i mean it, it it's yes. because instead of instead of being theory it's practice instead of it being a a bumper sticker right it, it's something that i get in in my in in my soul this you know the thriving adoptees logo is a diamond and that's not a mistake i think we are all every single one of us on this planet, it is that diamond, and but that, that that diamond is overlooked. Our trauma hides. Uh, our, our trauma hides our essence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and realizing that this is a a kind of like a human issue for me, opens up our sources of inspiration and healing. We can l- learn from people that are really gifted. At helping us see our essential wholeness, so the the, the great well known kind of spiritual people like Eckhart Tolle or or you know like the Brené Brown's or the uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, I have a favorite guy speak teacher that I reference all the time, a guy called Rupert Spira, who are gifted uh, at helping us see our essence as mm-hmm. as that diamond, not the
0: trauma that we've been through. That makes me think of I saw this on Facebook the other day from a person that is very dear to me is Joe Soule. And he was one of the first people that I had as a guest. And in his saying it was people will say, well you the trauma that you went through made you stronger. And The idea is that we were strong to begin with to have gotten through this. And so what you're saying that the diamond is within all of us, that it just needs to be brought forth or developed. um, I don't know really the correct term to use there, but that we are all a diamond, that we have this strength and all of this external stuff that happens to us for whatever reason, may be some way that we're connecting on that consciousness or humanitarian level, and I guess that's not a question that I'm asking; it's a rhetorical statement. Uh, do you have anything? I, I'm
1: to not, on you know, Janice, like you've you've got me tingling all over here, right? We touch a space in these conversations that is truly profound, and and you've got me tingling all over with what you just said. You know, this isn't so. You've got me tingling all over. Because you're talking my language, and this isn't in the words. <laughs> words are all we've got. We've touched a space. We're touching a space here. This is this isn't a connection between head to head, or even heart to heart. It's a connection soul soul to soul. There's a band called Soul to Soul in the UK, um, and you know we. You, I think you're probably, I think you're probably attuned to it. You feel, I don't know, can you feel it? Can you feel the the connection now?
0: Yes, I do. And I talked with another lady yesterday who's an adoptee in the United States. And she said in her religion, there is no such thing as a coincidence. And I've always heard that that was attributed to Albert Einstein saying that, uh, that there are no coincidences in this world. And I had this thought before we met this morning, Simon, I was thinking on this larger scale of being adopted and all of this crud that we've gone through, what if we as adoptees are on a broader, greater mission to help the world to understand? Because all of these stories about adopted people are coming out. We're having this voice. uh, There's all of these topics of unmentional things that happen to children there's a lady that i saw that her case she was adopted and then into a family who was abused but now that's gaining traction and i sent her a message and i thought i told her because of your story more children can be protected now yeah so maybe we have a mission to go against the negativity yeah and I think so, I'm touching so, an area that is really uh, far removed from what we started on about. Well, it, it is and
1: it, it is and it isn't. Um, I, I I think you were cycling through a few words about the the you know what You know what is the diamond? You know verbs that go with the diamond. And I think you used the word the reveal. I and mean, you mentioned a few, but you said oh, I'm not quite sure, right? Uh, and you've you've helped me to something because I had an answer as you were struggling. Right, I, I had an answer, but I can see the answer is um, not as deep as the answer I've got now. Okay, so I think at one level, the diamond is seen, the diamondness, the brilliance, the essential essence. Others is seen. I was that was the word that I was going to use. That was the verb that I was going to use when you were saying I'm not sure which word to use about the diamond, the word that was given. But it, it, it's yes, it's seen, and and then and then it, it's felt, and and that's the transition between theory and practice. Right? Theory, in theory, we see it. In practice, we feel it that's the difference between something that we get in our head and that we get in our bones there's a depth there's a depth to this beyond the felt brilliance that there are no, there are no words i just stopped talking a little bit and we were just feeling a space together and that's the that's the kind of like that's the healing space you know if somebody if if we go to a, a, a if we go to a funeral we can say sorry sorry for your loss but the hug that we the hug that we give the other person has far more power than the words sometimes we don't even need the words sometimes it's 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 just the hug w- words are kind of clumsy when we're talking about this sort of level of profundity and you've obviously touched that you've obviously touched that space talking to to joe and you know he he knows his stuff uh he's been on my podcast as well um but to that's
0: okay i i just wanted to say to you you said that we see the diamond and then we can feel it and it's like we're feeling its opulence its spectacular brilliance but then you said it's in your bones and i wonder is the word knowing so it's like we see it, we feel, and then we just know.
1: Yeah. We know we are it. We are one with the diamond. So to link these two things together, I talked about that retreat that I went on 14 years ago with two facilitators. So the a bloke and a woman, so Richard and... Um, Liz, Liz was abused by her dad in every way. Struggled, unsurprisingly, on the back of that. And she read the, she read the primal wound. I'd shared my take on the primal wound with her. And she took it upon herself after she facilitated that group 14 years ago. she's I've spoken to her lots and lots of times since then. She's coached me, mentored me, shrinked me. I guess she she wouldn't consider herself as a, a shrink. But hearing what I said to her like eight years ago when uh, after I'd read The Primal Wound, she took it upon herself to read the book. And, and we had a conversation and she said, Simon, I, I wanted to be adopted because I wanted to get away from my, from my dad who was abusing me. And they went to court and everything. She, was, she had to stand up in court as a kid, and the, the court didn't remove her. She kind of she had a pretty high functioning life for for somebody that had been through uh, abuse. And, and then she had a she had a complete meltdown like a, almost died in a car crash, had a, a profound shift in her level of consciousness as as many people do when they almost touch death. Now she inspires others. So, you know, we're we're here to share uh, our stories. We're here to share our insights. It's a sight. It's our sights from within that that changes. Stories stories clearly um, empower at as a, a, at a, at a certain level. But those insights, those moments we have, the the moments that I had on that. Uh, on that retreat the moments I've had since the very profound moment when I got my adoption file read a letter from my birth mother to the social worker in that uh, in in that adoption file about the teddy bear and the tears that the, the tears that streamed down my face when I realized how my 40 seconds of anger and fear towards my birth mother were complete and utterly wrong. Just false, beyond, like, like, just, we said chalk and cheese. I mean, but just like, I was so far off the mark. I was so far off the mark. This letter, um, it, it, I, I got her desperation. I felt her desperation I, reading the, I, I felt her desperation. I felt her love from me. And I felt at one with her reading that letter She died fifteen years before I read it. I, 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 um, it was forty-eight years after she wrote it that I read it. I, the the tears washed away the anger, the forty seconds of anger and fear to to towards her, and I, I felt I was at one with her. So you know, there's this saying, you know, we're not human bodies having a spiritual experience with one spiritual being having 7 billion or whatever it is, 8 billion human experiences. That, looking back on that, looking back on that moment now, I, I can see that that was when, to use your word, I knew, when I knew that we are one. We are one. Like the space that we're touching now, we are one. And and it's a, it's a sacred space. I've also touched it in, in rock concerts. And in a, a rugby union matches, you know, when they sing their national anthems, touch a, a space and all that, like these, you know, rugby union guys <laughs> and, and women, the rugby union women, they're they're big as well, right? You know, I mean, and, and, and they're big, strong, strong people. And, you, you know, they're, they're crying to their national anthem. I've been to lots of um, matches where uh, so my, my wife's Scottish um, and my sister-in-law's Irish, so we'll go to a Scotland versus Ireland, or Scotland versus Italy, or Scotland versus France, right? I'm not Irish. Sorry, I'm 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 not Irish. Well, <laughs> um, a percentage of me is right by DNA, but I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not Scottish. I, I, I don't identify as Scottish. I don't identify as uh, Irish. I don't identify as uh, as French, and yet. I'm crying, they're crying as the, the their national anthem goes, but I'm crying too, and I'm not I'm, I've got nothing I'm, I'm a neutral in this I'm a neutral at this match, right um and it's a sacred space of touch and it's the, that's the healing space that's the healing space when and, and it's beyond words
0: a healing space for all of humanity. You betcha. Mm-hmm. And right now, I have no words because what you have said is so profound.
1: The shrinks have had their day. Yes, the shrinks have had their day. They've had, they've given it a good go. I've listened to I've listened to so many shrinks who have trained in traditional shrinking and no longer practice it because it it doesn't it, it doesn't have the power of of this. Spiritual space stuff. So most of them are going; they they're going far far away into the space that we're talking about now. They may use the psychological tools, perhaps they may use some of their they've got di- different tools in their toolkit. Right. So I've, I've just gone. I've just started doing some uh, therapy again, and and the 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 ladies, she's doing uh, after our third session. She started doing some tapping, uh, EMDR stuff. Uh, with me la- last week, but it, it it's about that bond, you know. And if this is sounding too far out, it's like it's the space, you know. If the if there's no relationship between the client, no relationship between the client and the, and and, the, and the therapist, then the, the you've got they've got no chance of creating this
0: space. And that brings up a Kind of an interesting thought. You wonder if some of these shrinks have the uh, capability to heal because perhaps they have not been healed or they don't understand.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, if we look at something like internal fam- family systems, have you heard of Have you come across that? In fact, internal mm-hmm. family systems, yeah. I, I read the guy or listened to the, to Dick Schwartz's book, Richard Schwartz's book. It's called No Bad Parts. And he he talks about the uppercase S self and his uppercase S self is my diamond. That's what it is. It's our best, it's our best word that we can come up with. It's our best metaphor for something that is beyond words. It's the awareness that's aware of of the thoughts and the feelings. It's like we're going upstream, we're going upstream. So we're going upstream of behavior. Right. So we and, and we, we know this from from, you know, like uh, in, in parenting circles, they say, don't judge the behavior. Right. Judge the behavior, not the child. Is it something like that? So we're going upstream of behavior to, to feelings. We're going upstream of behavior to the to the thoughts, conscious and subconscious that cause those, uh, those thoughts, uh, those feelings. Right. To the essence of ourselves. So the essence that uh, uppercase S self in in internal family systems, or or Diamond if you if you're a thriving adoptees, listener or host or conversationalist or fellow adoptee.
0: Simon, what would be your main major message to the listeners?
1: Look for that space. I came up with something. It's about three years ago now. I'm I still love this saying. I was talking to uh, my one of my wife's friends, and I said, "There's no such thing as a second-hand insight. There's no such thing as a second-hand insight." Right. So, I cannot cause anybody to have an insight. The best I can do is point them towards something. Uh, on uh, Christmas Eve. We always watch um, It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. And, you know, it's point pointing at the moon or lasso the moon or something like that, right? I think there's something from Buddhism, right, that the, the the finger that points in the moon, the finger that points at the moon is not the moon, something like that, right? Sorry, I'm getting a bit. So look, look for yourself. I can't make anybody see their brilliance. The best I can do is point them towards it in the hope that they see it, like they see a glimmer of it maybe. And then they maybe they they feel it. And then maybe using your words, they know it. This is uh, something that moves from a nice idea in their head to a, a lovely feeling in their heart to an incredible brilliance in their bones.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom for sharing your heart, for sharing your story.
1: You, you're welcome. This is what we're here for. We're all walking each other home. I've got to thank everybody that's helped me with this stuff over the last 16 years. You know, we're all helping each other, all helping each other home and that's what it's about. And that's, that's why we do
0: the podcast, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much for this space, Simon.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for for sharing it with me.